So, uh, uh, hi, it's Graham here. Sorry to interrupt your podcast listening like this, but uh, I wondered if you could do us a little favour. I haven't told Carol I'm going to do this, and frankly, I'm not sure she's going to find out. Let's maybe keep it that way, shall we? Uh, I don't think she listens to the podcast, so she won't hear that I've tacked this on to the beginning. But the European Security Blogger Awards, they're about to happen, and Smashing Security has been nominated in a couple of categories. Huzzah, huzzah! You can vote in the awards for your favourite security blogs and security podcasts, hint, hint, but you've only got a few days before the voting closes. So do it today. Do it now. Hit pause. Oh, not before I've told you the URL. It's smashingsecurity.com slash vote. That will redirect you through magic to the voting form. And, well, hey, made the best podcast co-hosted for the last six or so years by a Brit and a Canadian win. Um, yeah, over to you. Smashingsecurity.com slash vote. Thank you very much. We love you all, uh, at least the people who vote for us. Uh, but for now, back to your normal service. And uh, sorry about this interruption. Both John Hawes and I club together and are presenting our stuff at a venue. Oh my goodness. It's very exciting. I know. And John is doing... It's not nude modelling, is he? He is. <laughs> He's doing nude modeling. Oh. Let me send you a link, Grim. Right no, 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 please don't. No, no, please, no, 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 please. please. Smashing Security, Episode 125 Pick of the Thief, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, episode 125. My name is Graham Cluley. And I'm Carol Terrio. Hello, Carol. Hello. How was Easter? Well, Did ooh. you fatten up on chocolate? No, no, no. I've, I, I'm, not, I'm not someone who eats chocolate anymore. Oh, sweets, yes. Oh. It's, uh, it's day two in the Cluley household, and there's no chocolate being eaten. Oh, right. So, okay. Uh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So I'm, do- I'm doing right. pretty incredibly well. Well, well done. Thank well you done. very much. And further cause for celebration is that we are joined by a special guest, Mr. John Hawes from Ampso. Hello, hello. Hi, John. Good to have you back, John. Good to be here. Now, has anything crazy been happening over the Easter break in the world of computer security? Quite a lot as it happens, and some of it we're going to be talking about <laughs> Thank today. Thank God, otherwise we wouldn't have much to talk about today. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the things which happened... Uh, Crow, have you heard of Marcus Hutchins? What, Michael Hutchins from NXS? <laughs> That's right, yes. Also known as Malware Tech. Oh. The, um, yes, different, different one. That's a different person. <laughs> he is the chap, the accidental hero, who defeated WannaCry, if you remember that well, from a Well, hero, year or two ago. quote, unquote... In his own words, accidental hero, mm-hmm. uh, because he registered a domain name which crippled WannaCry and stopped it from causing even more problems for the likes of the National Health Service. He, of course, was arrested in the United States That's right. mm-hmm. as he attempted to fly back to the UK from the Black Hat Conference. And in August 2017, as we uh, discussed way back on episode 38, he pleaded not guilty to charges related to writing and potentially selling malware called Kronos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, he got a lot of support from the tech community, uh, some of whom donated money to his defence fund. And plot twist, he has now done a plea deal and admitted that he did create 
and in partnership with someone else called Vinnie K, sell malware between 2012 and 2016. That doesn't necessarily mean that he is 100% guilty, though. Knowing Mm -hmm. the little that I know about the American system, 98% of cases are pled out, and often you're facing such huge incarceration or such long sentences that it's mm. not worth trying mm. to fight for your innocence in Like some 170 cases. years and things yeah, like that. Yeah, versus doing two. He so. did have something like about, I think it was like 10 or 12 charges against him, and he's only pleaded guilty to two of them. Exactly, and he'd probably be facing doing those consecutively, right? That would be a risk. Um, I don't know if it would have been, but anyway, he has made a public statement where he says he regrets what he did and accepts full responsibility for his mistakes. He says it was in his years prior to his career in security. It's interesting seeing how people have responded. Some people have said, you're a bad man, Mr. Grinch. You know, you, you, you've done bad. You could never be good. Other people think very much, oh, he should be forgiven for what he did in his youth. Although he wasn't that young. He was you still thought, doing yeah. these kind of things when he was about 21, 22. So he's owning up to it. Yep. He's saying publicly, mea culpa, dudes. Yep. Okay, that's a different story. And he's also said that there is a misconception that to be a security expert, you must dabble in the dark side. He says it's not true. You can learn everything you need to know legally. Stick to the good side. Quite sort of wise words. We will link to the court documents. We can read more about the case if you're interested in the show notes. My guess is he's going to end up with some time in jail. He's already been stuck out in the States for a long time, but I'd imagine maybe he'll get like six months to 12 months or something in jail before he eventually comes back. He might get off with time served. Yeah, look at it kind of cynically. uh, Potentially, this could also make him, couldn't it? Because it makes him all the more notorious. He became an internet celebrity through the WannaCry thing, then his arrest, and now through this as well, may end up on the speaking circuit. Who knows? Anyway... One of the hot stories going on in the world of computing right now. What else have we got coming up on this episode of Smashing Security Crow? Well, on this episode, Graham, you are talking about a rather unusual way to bypass fingerprint security. John's delving into the truth about how we use passwords, the good and the bad. And I'm looking at how some young guy is planning to get payback from an identity theft snafu. All this and so much more coming up on Smashing Security. So, chaps, I don't know if you're aware, but there have been some changes in the way recently smartphones have been handling fingerprint scanning. In the original days, I mean, I think probably most famously we had Touch ID, didn't we, on the old Apple iPhones. It was part of the case, as it were. It was part of, on the bevel, wasn't it? There was a big round circle which you pressed to scan your fingerprint. Well, more modern smartphones like the Samsung Galaxy now actually have an in-screen fingerprint scanner so last what, month like the entire screen can take no, your fingerprint no. or just in one location there'll just be a part of the screen so it's not a physical button you just touch the actual visible screen uh, where it's displaying a fingerprint icon and that will scan your fingerprint it's, it's really clever technology right if it works <laughs> now, last month, the Samsung Galaxy S10 came out, and one of its big features was its next-generation vault-like security with its ultrasonic fingerprint scanner fused directly onto its front screen, which it said could even work when your hand was wet. Ultrasonic. And ultrasonic, because uh, a scanner which is working through the screen, my understanding is it has to work in a different way, because obviously you're, you're touching glass rather than... 
um, something on the edge. I don't, don't really know how this works, Carl. I think they should be obvious. Let me let me refer to the blurb from Samsung themselves. They say using ultrasonic pulses, we detect the three D ridges and valleys of your fingerprint, so only you can access your phone. It's secure and convenient. They say. Okay. Sounds mm-hmm. great, doesn't it? Mm. <laughs> okay, I, I, I feel I th- I feel I can understand what maybe the bypass is, but I'm going to wait. I'll wait and I'll tell okay. you if I was right or wrong. Well, okay. well, so what happened was a couple of weeks ago, so just a f- couple of weeks after this phone came out, an imager user called Dark Shark he posted a video demonstrating how he was able to unlock the Samsung Galaxy S10 with a 3D copy of his fingerprint. Mm-hmm. And he met, was able to make this at home. He captured a photograph of a print he had left on a wine glass. And he then sort of printed it onto the finger of some gloves. And he was able to give these rubber gloves to people and they could open his phone. And the outcome of all this was he said, well, look, there's nothing really stopping me from stealing your fingerprints without you ever knowing, then printing gloves of your fingerprints. And I can go about and commit crimes and break into your phone. Okay. And some people said, well, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. They said, well, where are you going to get our fingerprints from? Um, do you want a drink? <laughs> Surely. <laughs> you just, <laughs> not very hard. Okay. Well, there's that way. But also, you could just steal your phone because your phone, everybody's phone, is going to be covered in their fingerprints, isn't it? Unless you're wearing gloves, girl. Yeah, I don't is he, know. Is he walking around posh. with one of those posh little uh, CSI brushes uh, to find the fingerprints? No, 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 no. Listen, if he just steals your phone, he takes it back to his lair inside the volcano <laughs> where he then gets the photograph of your fingerprint and creates his gloves, right? So phones right. are being lost all the time and they're covered in fingerprints. They're covered in the very thing that you use to unlock it. I got you. So phones are actually considered maybe less uh, less of a commodity now that they're so hard to break into. And he has found a way to make them viable again because he can break in. Certainly in the case of this one, yeah. And, mm. and it, it turned out to be ridiculous easy. He said that he could do it in about three minutes Ooh. with his 3D printer. It makes stealing phones worthwhile again, basically. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't there a similar thing with the, I think was the iPhone first added there? fingerprint reader that people were doing it with gummy bears maybe i don't know i think maybe the chaos club in germany i think maybe like they that, yeah. had managed to do this with some smartphones as well so it, it's it's just that the, the ease and speed with which he was able to do this and it didn't require a lot of technical know-how from the sound of things required a decent 3d printer to create these things now i thought that would be hard to be i thought well that sounds Pretty impressive. Here we've got new technology which has been vaulted as more secure than past fingerprint technology turned out to be not very good at all. And Samsung hopefully are going to release an update. And then the Nokia 9 PureView Android smartphone came out. An update was pushed out to this in the last couple of weeks which purportedly improved its in-screen again. So it's inside the screen fingerprint scanner. Okay. And a number of users discovered there was a problem with this, including a British user interface developer from Birmingham who calls himself... Birmingham. He calls himself Decoded Pixel uh, on Twitter. <laughs> and um, That was pretty good, actually. Thank you very much. Um, and he found, and he made a little video, that the Nokia 9 smartphone can be unlocked by anyone. Oh. Doesn't matter if you have even fingers or not. In fact, Decoded Pixel discovered that it could be unlocked by someone wearing leather gloves or even something as banal as a packet of chewing gum. Well, leather gloves sounds easier than chewing gum. (laughs) 
Well, you might just have a packet of chewing gum in your pocket. You may not be wearing on. It's a hot day, Crow. You, you may not like be wearing leather gum? gum. Do you mean chewed no, 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 gum, or do you mean like the packet? Just the packet. It is vaguely finger shaped, I guess. The packet. Maybe I, you could probably mold it into that sort of shape if it isn't, I suppose. So he's made this video, and you can go and check it out online. And we'll link to it in the show notes again, where there's a locked phone, and he demonstrates first of all himself unlocking it with his thumb, and then he takes a packet of chewing gum, plonks it on the screen. And it recognises that as his finger. And then he tries it with a coin. And he even got someone else, uh, someone else's finger involved in the video, a stunt finger, which unlocked it as well. And lots of other uh, users of the Nokia 9 are discovering this as well. So the, the actual smartphone fingerprint scanner, which was supposedly updated, appears to be weaker. Just completely pointless. It's not being upgraded at all. It, it looks like it's completely feeble. Mm-hmm. I think there's potentially an awful lot of emphasis being put on maintaining security and privacy of your smart devices via fingerprint scanners, but you might be wise not to rely on them, at least not to rely on them only to secure your devices. Maybe a good old pin would be better. It wasn't clear. Is the Nokia 9 supposed to be super secure? Do they say that it's a secure phone? Well, I'm sure they don't say it's an insecure phone. but uh, just, just having fingerprint scanning kind of implies that it's doing it for security purposes, not just for a laugh. You would expect if they're asking for fingerprint authentication, it would actually yes. authenticate the fingerprint or make some token gesture of it. Whereas <laughs> if you're wearing a pair of marigolds and that will unlock it, yeah. you know, that's... Or a packet of Wrigley Spearmint gum will open it. Have they come out and said, uh, have they come out and said, oops, sorry, 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 we're on this. It was a bug. Well, we are recording this on Tuesday and it's been a long Easter weekend. Um, yeah, so and we'll so we, we will see whether they come out with another update. But interestingly, this update, supposedly one of the improvements was supposed to be to the fingerprint sensor because some users have actually said they had problems with earlier versions of the Nokia 9 as well. And mm-hmm. maybe it's actually even got worse with this latest update. So if you have a Nokia 9, be very careful. Could it be, so you said he demonstrated by showing it working with his thumb. Could it be that he just left a fingerprint on the screen and the reader was scanning that fingerprint rather than whatever was on top of it? Ooh. Maybe. Maybe he had particularly greasy fingers. I don't know. He'd well- eaten a big bag of crisps, mm-hmm. <laughs> then slapped his thumb on it. Yeah. The fingerprint is then molded onto that place. And then anything he puts on just smooshes that grease into the screen. That's what I'm thinking. I love it. I mm-hmm. love it. John, what's your story for us this week? So I wanted to talk a little bit about authentication as well. Um, Not so much about the fingerprints and things, but more passwords. I know this is something that all security people tend to talk about pretty much all the time, but it's something that always seems to come up. So the last few weeks, we've had a whole bunch of password snafus. Facebook was storing possibly hundreds of millions of passwords in plain text, I think, from (laughs) Instagram users. You couldn't make it up. Kind of said, oh, yes, we, oops, we, we, we forgot we were doing that. We'll delete them. And then like a week later said, oh, well, actually, there's another few hundred million we forgot to mention as well. Yes, which rather like the Mueller report, they snuck out just before the Easter break, didn't they? Yeah. So, it's so uh, gross. When it was the Instagram uh, revelation as well, I think a lot of the tech press maybe missed it. It's another Facebook story. I think it was last week, maybe the week before, where they were asking people for password to their email service claiming it was required to verify their login or something yes 
And then they went into 1.5 million people's email accounts and scraped all their contacts and fed them into the great Facebook more. Incredible, isn't it? Again, you know, I feel like we shouldn't even call it scraped. We just say they stole them. You know, they just took them without permission. They just grabbed people's address books and took them and who knows what they were planning to do with them. But uh, if they hadn't been caught out by the press and maybe they'd have never fessed up to this. Yeah, so Shame. I, think, I, I think in that case Shame. they'd they'd said they 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 used to do it regularly, and they had a little message saying if you give us your password, we'll scrape your contacts. And then at some point they took off the message, but kept on doing the <laughs> scraping or something. I was, yeah, it was, it was a horrible mess basically. I mean, Facebook has not been doing very well on the security front lately. <laughs> yeah, but you know, both those cases, are, those year. are both both pretty bad things from from both sides. Though, I mean, storing passwords in plain text. That's a bad thing to do from the provider side. But from the user side, you know, if someone says to you, can I have a password for your email account? And that person is not your email provider, you shouldn't be giving it to them. You shouldn't give anybody a password for something that is not their service. Well, that's the thing. We're teaching people all the time, you know, to be very careful who they give their passwords to. Make sure you give them to the right people. So if it doesn't matter that it's Facebook asking for your Yahoo password, you should be equally yeah. sceptical about that. And, that. and Facebook even doing that sort of normalises the behaviour, doesn't it? So then the other thing that came out, I think, over the Easter weekend for some reason, um, the National Cyber Security Centre here in the UK released a most hacked password list. Is this a list of the, of the passwords that have been most hacked from them? Uh, no, this is, so this is, they've taken it, I think it's from uh, the Have I Been Pwned database. Oh, our friend Troy Hunt. Yes, this is a pretty... Standard story in security circles. I mean, dozens of organizations release lists like this every few months, and it makes yep. very easy fodder for quick blog posts and articles, and very, very easy to do. I'm sure all of us have written several dozen of these pieces, and they've done it quite nicely. You know, they've kind of flicked through it and gone, oh, look, here are the most popular superhero passwords and the most popular football team passwords, just to kind of really broaden their reach out into various different kinds of publications to mm. pick up the story for them. Okay, and what's the number one? Is it passwords? Oh, one, two, three, four, five, six, obviously. Oh, that's the number mi- one. One, two, three, yeah. four, five, six. 23 million people were using that one, apparently. <laughs> well, they don't really say exactly how. I think they said they looked at the top 100,000 breaches or something. I can't remember. Anyway. Well, th- I but think yes. they've released a list of the 100,000 most commonly oh, yes. used mm-hmm. passwords, which you can download from their website. Yeah, so their their push is basically to say, here, take this list, and if you're a website admin, make sure you're using this as a, a blacklist and don't let people use these passwords. Cool. I like that like idea. That, is, well, yeah, it's, it's, it's all right as an idea, but I mean, really, and we were just saying password managers, you should have a unique password. If your password is something that has ever been used anywhere else, then it shouldn't be using it. I know, but think about it from an admin's point of view, right? He's sitting there or she's sitting there managing potentially thousands of different accounts, right? And good way to just block stupid answers are that maybe yeah. requirements of length or complexity may be really popular. So you could just say, uh-uh, not that one. And you can also link into the uh, Pwned Password API, something Troy Hunt runs. So you could link your service in with that so when a user Mm -hmm. creates password it will say actually this is a password that has been previously breached and this many times and encourages more random use of passwords and of course is encouraging password managers as well i i find a certain irony here that the ncsc who of course are part of gchq um an intelligence agency which hacks into people's accounts and acquires information from foreign governments they are actually sharing with the world 
what appears to be a list of the most commonly used passwords. That that in itself sort of makes an endorsement for this list, doesn't it? Because if you wanted to hack into accounts, maybe this list would be quite a good place to start mm. if you wanted to work your way, you know, spraying passwords into a system. Yeah. This is the GCHQ approved list. They do acknowledge that at some point, somewhere in one of their their posts on this, they do say, "Oh, this is all public public information anyway. We're yeah. not publishing anything that uh, isn't already exactly." Out there. And yeah. I mean, how yeah. else how else do you get people to kind of look out for it within their network? And the bad guys have many, many millions more than this one hundred thousand list anyway. I mean, they, of course they do. They, yeah. They've got access to vast anyway. Millions. So basically, that's another one. Don't don't use ridiculously simple passwords, and don't allow people to use ridiculously simple passwords. But really, I mean, the solution to all of these is is two factor authentication. I mean, that pretty much solves well, fingerprint any of these scanners. Problems. Yes, well, maybe not ideally fingerprint scanner, but <laughs> not on the Samsung if you, if you, or the Nokia. If you had if you had reliable two FA in place, yeah. none of these would be a problem anymore because you know you can really you can just make your password public, and as long as your two FA is is secure, then you're fine. Using fingerprint readers, even face readers on phones these days, are becoming pretty mainstream. So more and more people are kind of getting on board with what two FA is. They're, they're understanding it better. And I think that is something that's really going to ramp up in the next six months or so because of PSD2, the European Union Payment Services Directive. Okay. Do you know about that? No. It's basically it's a new set of rules for banks and things that is it's actually already been implemented, but it's it has to be the final deadline for adopting all of its rules is I think middle of September this year. Okay. And one of those rules is that Banks must use, I think they call it strong authentication, basically 2FA for transactions. So like when you go into a physical shop, you have your card, you have a a chip in the card, that's something you have, and then you have the pin as something you know. So it's kind of two factors, but they're also looking at putting an extra factor on there. And there was a a big rash of stories around Christmas time that some of the UK banks had already started implementing this. And there were people who were, you know, turning up in the shop and trying to use their card and being told, oh, we need a special code off your phone, and their phone was dead, and it was a nightmare, and they couldn't buy the Christmas presents, and their children were crying, and ah! yeah. So, and and basically, that kind of stuff is going to be picking up quite a lot over through this year because by the middle of September, all banks across Europe are going to have to implement some kind of better, stronger authentication for hmm. for payments, especially mainly on the internet. But it, it looks like it's also going to be happening in person as well. As long as they don't start asking for urine samples. <laughs> well, this is the thing. What are they going to do? I mean, exactly. The, 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 but if the you have your child is... there screaming, maybe the child could also, you know, donate no. a little bit of. Yeah. You know. Pretty well, soon, it's going to be a DNA swab. The the one that I've been so I've, I wrote a few articles about this some last year or so, and I, I keep <laughs> getting contacted by people saying, "Oh, nice article about this. How do you know anything about this type of two FA?" People trying to basically yeah. persuade me to write about their two FA, but. A lot of them are talking about contextual data. So that's getting the something you are component of a two-factor system mm-hmm. just based on, you know, something you are being the sort of person that goes to the corner shop at 2 a.m. and buys 50 quids worth of booze. I've <laughs> <laughs> nailed you, Carol. I've got you. Ha-ha. <laughs> uh-huh. Which, you know, from a usability point of view, it's pretty it's pretty easy. You don't have to worry about it. It basically just means the bank is monitoring everything you do and building a profile of you so it can say, oh, he's not the sort of person that would buy a TV in online at 4 a.m. and have it shipped to Nigeria. Yeah, but it does suck when everything gets frozen when you find yourself on holiday in the Bahamas. Exactly, and, yeah. yes. And it also means that the banks have to gather huge amounts of data on all of their customers at all times, which is 
a bit of a minefield in itself. Well, there's a lot of uh, loyalty cards and things which have been doing that for years, haven't they? Exactly. Cards. Yes. Yes. Well, I've maybe shops. Maybe that's the thing. Yes. Maybe sh- uh, the supermarkets will start using their loyalty card data to guess whether their customers are, are really the person they claim to be based on what they're buying. John, you've covered a lot of topics here. A lot of uh, different aspects here. Well, in depth. Little, yeah. Yes. It was a little, a little bit of a scattergun approach, but uh, no, no, it's interesting. Yeah, that's very good. Very good. Anyway, password managers, it seems. Yes, Yet again. password managers and authenticator apps. Yeah. Right. Good. And yeah, stop using dumb passwords. And don't eat crisps when you're using your phone. <laughs> Carol, what's your story for us this week? So my dad had years of drama because someone with his exact name, well, the same middle initial... His exact birthday, who lived in a neighboring town, somehow got his personal information misentered into some important database. And the misentry impacted like mobile phone usage purchases, traveling credit scores, tax payments, health records, everything. Both guys suffered, right? And it was a total pain to sort out. The two guys ended up getting in touch and both were contacting the various bodies to get, you know, the problem rectified. So this this, this really happened. It wasn't that your, this your really father happened. didn't have yeah. a secret second family or something on the other no, side no, of town. No, no. He was, okay, so this, okay, all right, okay, interesting. And even with both parties working uh, to, to end the mix-up, it took years, right. right? So I can only imagine how annoying it would be if your identity was stolen and used for nefarious purposes without someone wanting to help you fix the whole snafu. I mean, how the heck do you regain your identity? And how do you seek retribution for the sheer pain and the assness of it all? <laughs> I thought you'd like that one. <laughs> Now, I have a story all about this, okay? And I want you to hear me out and put yourself in the protagonist's shoes because I want you to tell me what you would do if this oh, were to happen okay. to you, yep, okay? Right. Yep, ready. All right, so you're, you're about 17, 18, a young adult, right? And you're living in New York. New York. Uh, you, probably, you probably have a really strong New York yeah. accent. Hey, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah eat your okay. mouth. Hey, okay. And and maybe uh, you're out one night. Maybe you're having spaghetti and tomato sauce or something. And then you head home and uh, you maybe listen to some ASMR podcast to lull you to sleep. And you're snoozing away and suddenly bang, 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 bang. Whoa, whoa, whoa. On the door, right? It's 4 a.m. WTF is going on. What? You look outside. You see cops. And they're there with an arrest warrant for you, okay? And you are panicking. You ask to see the arrest warrant. And while all the information is correct, your name, address, the mugshot is not you. It doesn't remotely look like you. That's not me. That's Mr. Terrio. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And even the cops see that it doesn't look like you. Right. Right? Right. Now, do you think the cops just back off with the sincere apologies or? Of course not. It could be a disguise. It could be a disguise, couldn't it? <laughs> no, you get hauled in. And that's what happened to Usain Ba. This is the actual New York 18-year-old who was bolted mm-hmm. awake by the sound of cops pounding at his door to arrest him. And they hauled him in anyways. Now, it turns out Ba was a person of interest in an Apple store theft that happened in Manhattan. 
And sadly, Ba was no stranger to these accusations. Now, the following is with much thanks to insurancejournal.com because they laid it out really well. I'm a big fan. (laughs) One of my favorite insurance websites, yes. In doing this story, I was looking around. A lot of people were quoting the same sources, but... I'm very impressed, girl. I'm very impressed. Now, Mr. Ba claims that about a year ago, he lost his learner's driver's license, which had his name, address, date of birth, sex, height, and eye color. Yeah. The document specifies on it that it cannot be used for identification purposes. Okay, so remember that. And also, it does not have a photo. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, so he lost this interim permit, didn't report it to the police. He knew he was going to get an actual permit shortly, didn't care. Right, yeah. Later on, he receives a summons for $1,200 for a Apple store theft at a Boston Back Bay store. Apparently, the theft included multiple Apple pencils. <laughs> now, when I say pencils... <laughs> Is that what like when I steal the biros from Argos? They retail at $99 each, so I hope not. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> They're like pencils you use on your Apple Mini or stylus. something. Stylus. Oh, okay, for, for, for drawing on the... Yes, and they're quite yes. small, so probably easier to steal, right? And it's all very free and easy in the Apple store. You kind of come in, you mess around with the hardware. Yeah, shove a ton of pencils down off. your pants and then... Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yes, yeah. Now, the problem was Mr. Ba had never been to Boston until this court appearance, this court summons, which mm-hmm. men come. Now, Apple has a security firm that it hires called Security Industry Specialists. Now, they help protect Apple stores from theft. And they mm-hmm. sent a rep to these proceedings in Boston. And the rep said he witnessed a suspect steal Apple pencils on a security video. Okay? So when Ba's attorney right. said, hey, let me see this video... The guy said, oh, sorry, it doesn't exist anymore. Huh. Weird. Mm. Okay. Were they using VHS yes. tapes or something? I <laughs> think Apple would have not a problem with storage. You know, okay. <laughs> the whole thing basically ended well because Ba was able to prove that he'd not been in Boston on the day of the theft and goes right. back home to New York only to receive a handful of other notifications about <laughs> other stores in uh, other Apple thefts. One in New York City, one in Delaware, one in New Jersey. And then months later, at 4 a.m. in the morning, we have the New York City police rapping on his door with an arrest warrant for robberies at the Manhattan store. And this is where the arrest warrant has the right information, but the wrong mugshot. I would be a little bit peeved by this point, I think. I'd be a little bit annoyed. Okay, that, that's great. And yes. John, are you feeling a little bit like this? Because this has been a bit of a hassle, right? You've been, you know, going around the country trying to clear your name. It's more the 4am thing that I, I'd be <laughs> I have checked out John's mugshot on the Smashing Security website, and he, he does bear an uncanny similarity that's with true. someone. I'm not quite sure mm-hmm. who. But yeah, yeah, there there is. Yes, so, yes. So, what happened next, Crow? So, mystery number one. Whose pick is on the police warrant? Because it's not Mr. Boz and what's going on. Right. After a bit of detectiving, they realize it's probably a pick of the thief. And the thief used Boz's learner driver license, you know, during a purchase or one of his heists. So apparently Apple security technology identifies suspects of theft using facial recognition technology. The detectives suspect that the person who had committed the crimes presented Ba's interim permit as identification during one of his multiple offenses. 
they were they assumed that that face was tied to that information. So it was Apple's facial recognition software that basically tied it all ah, together. Um, why why was he giving identification to do a crime? So he may have gone in and done a crime as well. You know, I I'm buying one Apple pencil, uh, right? Mm-hmm. And I've got twelve on my pants. Yeah, it was a pick of the thief. <laughs> pick of the thief. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Ba's attorney was able to explain the situation to the DA and then get everything sorted out, right? So the whole thing went away because they were able actually to get their hands on the surveillance footage, the one that the Apple security firm said didn't exist. No, oh, there was a backup. Right. Okay. So it's all a big complexy, complexy thing, right? And a bit of a nightmare. Now, Ba has issued a lawsuit, right? Suing Apple. La 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 right? la, America. He's, he's had a bit of a bad time, hasn't he? Yes, yes, mm-hmm. right, Quite right, too. Yes, and the lawsuit's accusing Apple of using facial recognition technology in store. Okay, so Bloomberg writes that Ba claimed his name may have mistakenly been connected to the thief's face in Apple's facial recognition system, which he says the company uses in stores, you know, to track people suspected of theft, and presumably everyone else too. Right. Once Apple, though, had tied Ba's name to the wrong face, Ba had no way to correct the error. Mm, lazy. Just lazy. <sighs> what a mess. <laughs> so, okay. So, here we go. So, here we go. So, Mr. Ba has about a, had about a year of crap, as far as yes. I worked out, thanks to losing his learner's permit. Yes. Yes. And... um I get that Apple should not have accepted learner's permit as, you know, as ID. That was a mistake. And Apple misidentified yes. him, you know, as a thief. And he suffered court summons and all this stuff. Woke up at 4 a.m., right? The worst thing ever, John. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, it's taken a year to clear his name. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's, he, he said it led to severe stress and hardship. So how much is Ba going to sue for? <laughs> what would be an appropriate amount for that amount of BS? The whole of Apple. Let me, let me just remind myself. He's based in America, isn't he? Yeah, he's based in the States. New York. And he's suing. I'm imagining it will be quite a large amount of money. Yeah. Why don't you give me what you think <laughs> it might be and what you think it should be? <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say. Like you think I was putting you in the position, right? This has happened to you. This has happened to I you. I think it, he might be suing for ten million dollars. Okay. And I think he should really probably be happy with. He'd be very happy with a hundred thousand dollars. A new iPhone? Okay. <laughs> I I don't get up at four a.m. for less than a hundred million. <laughs> <laughs> you and Linda Evangelista. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're both wrong. Okay, he is suing for a billion dollars. <laughs> a billion? <laughs> a billion. Okay, so I've worked it out because I'm good at math, as we all know, as we know. right? Yes. As we know. And it works out to roughly 270000 a day for his hardship. How many Apple pencils can he buy for a billion dollars? <laughs> I mean, how is this remotely a justifiable? Billion. It's I see, and I don't understand why the courts wouldn't just throw it out immediately. Just like you're having a laugh. Well, <laughs> like it's it, it's mm. just a negotiation, isn't it, Carol? It's just a haggle. That, That's what it is. They, you know, it he bugs starts me. High, does it? Yeah. Does that really work though? If Apple Apple saying his his ten k and he's saying no, I want a billion, and they go okay, we'll go halfway between. 
pretty sure they don't. Look, it it is. That's what they're going to argue for. They're going to argue for a percentage of the request. Well, if it's not going to be the billion, we need a percentage. Even one percent's pretty shit high. You know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I just think it's insane and. But but an interesting idea on the idea of actually trying to sue based on facial recognition, falsely um, tying you to another person, and then confusing that information and making your life hell for a for for a while as you try and clean that all up. Well, an over reliance in a way of computers and technology, isn't it? Whereas oh, a human <laughs> could have said, "Well, hang on a moment, that's clearly." Well, thank God person. we're all heading towards the dark ages rather than you know relying more and more on oh, computers I- every year, Graham. Wait till we get the Robocops. I thought we'd get through without mentioning Brexit, but there you are. We've done it again. (laughs) Through stories, realistic scenarios, the Meta Compliance Guys provide animated e-learning and even games like phishing drills to test your knowledge. Plus, these guys get passwords, they get GDPR, they get security, and they've won awards for security awareness. Smashing Security listeners, you guys can get 10% off by visiting smashingsecurity.com slash metacompliance and entering the code SMASHING. That's smashingsecurity.com slash metacompliance. Quote, most business security breaches are the result of one thing, sloppy password practices. Effective enterprise password management is a must to ensure that your employees are properly protecting their accounts. Unquote. That's my co-host, Graham Cluley. This is what he says on the LastPass Enterprise page. And most of you know how much I hate to admit when he's right, but he is. Sloppy passwords are a huge contributor to security breaches within an organization. The way to manage that is get a password manager. And the one we recommend is LastPass Enterprise. Check it out at lastpass.com slash smashing. On with the show. And welcome back. And you join us on our favourite part of the show, the part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Thief. Pick of the Week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like. Could be a funny story, a book that they read, a TV show, a movie, record, a podcast, a website, or an app. Whatever they wish. Doesn't have to be security related necessarily. It should not be. Now, my pick of the week this week is not security related. Instead, it harks back to a wonderful era of television known as the 1960s and specifically the work of Jerry Anderson, who made such fantastic shows as Stingray and Captain Scarlet and the Mistrons. Now, you may think that those shows are just part of yesteryear. If it, for anyone who's uh, listening has never seen a Jerry Anderson show, uh, the, the thing is they were, they were all done with marionettes. And so there was puppets. And the most famous show of all is one called Thunderbirds. Aha, uh-huh. that's where I know Which from. was a tremendous yeah. uh, TV program and uh, still beloved by kids today. And uh, international rescues, you know, uh, there'd be some disaster or something would be falling down or people drowning and they'd come in and they'd, they'd come and save them with their fantastic gadgets. Now, uh, a couple of years ago, a guy called Stephen LaRiviere, who was obviously a bit of a fan of Thunderbirds, he raised over £200,000 in a Kickstarter campaign to remake some classic 
Thunderbirds episodes because back in the 1960s, they made three episodes just for vinyl records, just for LPs, so just audio. And he said, why don't we take those recordings and film those episodes? We've got the original voices, Brains and Lady Penelope and Scott Tracy and so forth, and remake them using super marionation techniques. And they did it. But with the, does he have the original puppets too? He has some of the original puppets, and uh, this was all done uh, in coordination with the Jerry Anderson estate and his son, Jamie Anderson, as well. And um, it looks tremendous. Wonderful. Five, four, three, two, one. Thunderbirds are go. Brand, can I say something? I think this is your best pick of the week ever. Really? <laughs> yep. Very, very cool. Oh, wow. Cool. This I is, know. This is quite something. Well, I've put a couple of links in the show notes where you can check out some trailers and a, a short documentary, a half-hour documentary, all about the making. It is wonderful, and I think it's awesome, and that is why Thunderbirds 50th anniversary, Thunderbirds 1965, is my... Pick of the week. Brilliant. Are they going to do any Captain Scarlet? Um, they haven't favorite. done any Captain Scarlet. Captain Scarlet actually was my favourite more than mm-hmm. Thunderbirds. I have to say, there was something very dark and mysterious about Captain Scarlet and the Mistrons. Um, mm-hmm. What they did do is they made their own short clip. There is a TV show called Endeavour, which is about the early days of Inspector Morse. <laughs> Inspector Morse is a young man in the 60s, and I believe mm-hmm. there was an episode set on a studio where they were making one of these puppet shows and they actually remade a classic they, they made up their own classic supermarination episode to appear in this episode of Endeavour. Again, you can see some clips of that over on the Century 21 Films website. Uh, cool. they, dro- they dropped some murder clues into their Well, I don't know. I haven't seen I haven't I, I, I haven't seen it, John, but it's uh, no, quite possibly, who knows? Maybe I'm someone was strung up by the strings or something. Anyway, lovely, lovely, lovely. And uh I think it'd be a hard one to beat. So, John, what's your pick of the week? Some time ago, I think it was probably the first time I was on the show, my pick of the week was a, a game called uh, Clash of Clans. Yes. Yeah. Which I, I still play a little bit, but there's a, a, a kind of sister game from the same same company. It's called Clash Royale. It's a quite a different kind of game, although it kind of has some of the same characters in it. And it's a it's a very simple kind of tower defense thing. You you're paired up with a random person, and you have to attack their towers and try and stop them attacking your towers. And you have a range of characters you can choose from, and you, you pick your your card deck, and you have to hope that your yours matches up against theirs, so you can fight them evenly and stuff like that. Very it's very simple and very fun. It takes about three minutes to play a game. But the, my favorite thing about it, it has this little in game kind of chat system or heckling or something. All right. And there's it's just little buttons along the bottom of the screen and you don't really there's not really a lot of choices. You can basically say I think good luck, well played, good game, thanks, wow, oops. And then there's a few little kind of emoticons thing like thumbs up, angry, club crying, laughing. They've added a bunch more of the little little pictures recently, but they're a bit gimmicky. Yeah. I try and stick with the, the the old school ones. But it's amazing how in-depth a conversation you can have with whatever random child in China you happen to be playing against with just this little <laughs> tiny selection of words and, and images. And you can have a proper little chat going on. It's, it's really quite fun. And I find anybody that basically – there's a lot of people that just use Angry Face all the time. Right. Don't like them. They're clearly douches. 
And there's also the laughing face. Very, very few occasions where you can use that appropriately. So it's actually a very, very small set of things that you can legitimately use to, to have a polite conversation with. And you can get a real sense of the sort of person you're talking to. If you were a criminal or a drug dealer or something like that, John, do you think you could use this communication system to communicate your secret messages? Is this a replacement for something like Signal? Would the intelligence services <laughs> be able to intercept what you're communicating mm. with your angry face and your thumbs up? Someone in well, China? I don't know. You you might have to kind of prearrange a few a few particular signals. Right. I don't know if you could you could say you know we're hitting the Barclays Bank at nine a.m. tomorrow morning. <laughs> that would be that would be difficult. But, um, it's it's the more specifics it's, would be hard. Yeah, yeah. It's more of a it's more of a feeling kind of thing. You just get it. You get a sense of personality. Yeah, Graham. Right. Oh, sorry. But there's also I mean it does have a there's like a, you can have a, a team your clan and you can there's an actual chat thing that you can have with them I, I, I don't do that bit no sounds like more fun what you're doing i think to be honest that's clash royale comes strongly recommended from you thumbs up right thumbs up wow thanks <laughs> <laughs> good game uh carol what's your pick of the week well all three of us are uh, based in oxford and two of us on this podcast today are taking part in an upcoming Oxfordshire art festival. Oh, really? So I'm giving that a shout out, yeah. And it's not you, Graham. No, it's not. (laughs) So Oxfordshire Art Week starts in May next month, and it's where artists or designers exhibit their work across Oxfordshire. So there's 500 locations across the county, and there's like group exhibitions and individual artists. Some of them are in their own home, right? And like 100,000 people come and do this every Mm -hmm. year. And it's free. And you can see what all kinds of different artists are up to. And this year, both John Hawes and I, along with a few others, have clubbed together and are presenting our stuff at a venue. Oh, Mm. my goodness. It's very exciting. I know. And John is doing... It's not nude modelling, is he? He is. (laughs) (laughs) He's doing nude modelling. Oh, let me send you a link, Graham, right No, no, now. no, I'll no, please don't. No, no, please, no, no, please, please. Yeah, I'm please. sending you a link right now. Don't worry, don't worry. Okay, let's check this out. Okay. Okay, here's John's new modeling I'm career. I'm not sure I should want to. Ooh. Oh. It's not John. <laughs> it's, it's not me that's nude. But it is a nude model. It's the models that are nude. Yeah, so John makes models, small models. They're amazing. I prefer the term sculptures. 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> you see, I'm doing cartoons. So, of course, I, you know, lower lower the tone on this whole artist thing. And we also have, uh, we have an artist called Callista, and she's doing these amazing ink sketches that on self-help wisdom. So, kind of distilling all that. And we've got another guy called Ollie who does, like, some rude lighting um, with, like, lampshades made out of cuttings from... Uh, like Harlequin romances, and I think he's using 50 shades of grey. Oh, fuck, I think I just got the joke. Because he's making lampshades, shades of grey. Uh, get it? Yeah, get it? Yeah, I get, get it. it, yeah. See what he's it's done there. that funny. Do you think that's what he was doing? If you like the idea of nosing at people's art, you might meet Graham, because Graham's certainly going to come and visit during Art Week. I'm not going to miss this now. No, I'm coming to this. <laughs> so you can go to artweeks.org as the website. So A-R-T-W-E-E-K-S dot org. Right. And you can come visit us. We are listed on the map, entry 127 to 129 in East Oxford. Oh, crikey. And love to meet some smashers face to face. (laughs) 
Wow. Well, Carol, this is really uh, up to the artistic stakes for this episode. And uh, John, I'm looking forward to checking out your little naked uh, sculpture as well. What a delight that will be to see, uh, to see you in the clay. He's the real artist. <laughs> he is. He is. Yeah. Well, that just about wraps it up for this week. Um, thank you very much, John, for joining us this week. Thanks for having me. Folks at home, you can follow us on Twitter at Smash Insecurity, no G. Twitter allows to have a G. And you can join the discussion on Reddit. We've got an active community up there. Quickest way to find us is at smashinsecurity.com slash Reddit. And shout out to this week's Smashing Security sponsors, LastPass and Meta Compliance. Their support helps us give you this show for free. And huge thanks to you guys. We'd be lonely souls without you. Thank you for listening and helping us grow. And check out smashingsecurity.com for past episodes and to follow us there. Until next time, cheerio. Bye-bye. Later. Bye-bye. So, Art Weeks. Art Weeks. Mm-hmm. In this world of unwanted commodity, Kroll takes the ordinary to fabricate the desirable. What does that mean? Keep reading. Uh, just kidding. Beautiful, useful stuff. Also, small naked people. And you're snoozing away and suddenly bang, 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 bang whoa, 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 on the whoa, door. Whoa, whoa. Right? It's 4 a.m. Oh, the dog's barking. <laughs> Do you want to yes. go take care of that? <laughs> yes. Hang on.